could you see in Utah in this election uh, uh, people who will simply vote for the Republican, uh, irregardless of whether they actually know anything about the Republican? Possibly. Welcome to Radio Irregardless, your non-standard blend of irrespective and regardless. Now please welcome to the Internet Airwaves. Really? Internet Airwaves? It's okay, you can just do it. It's just just say Internet Airwaves. It sounds really cool. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just not. Internet Airwaves. Okay then. Please welcome to the Internet Airwaves, Mark Scalia. And cue the host. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to Radio Irregardless with me, your host, Mark Scalia. It is such a good thing uh, that I'm back on air with you guys every single Wednesday. I'm live with you. And I get to have fun doing this thing, which is stupid in general, but it makes me happy. So let me first welcome you to the program. There are three ways that you can actually listen to us. You can listen to Radio Regardless through my website, markscalia.com. And if you're doing that, then you're listening through this little stereophonic box. If you want to become part of the live chat, you click that box, and that will send you over to the broadcasting site, which is mixler.com. You, you don't have to do anything. You just click once, and that's it. And if you want to become part of the live chat, you sign in using a Facebook address or another email and then you can live chat with me and my guest and the third way that you can listen is if you don't have time to listen live although i really hope you can and wish you could if you can't listen live then the archive shows once we're done we bottle it up and put it in a little bow on it and we shoot it all over to the uh the itunes website and then you can listen that way you can download and listen to me at your leisure so Right now, I've got... Oh, Brendan's on. I have not seen Brendan in a while. Brendan is a, a very good friend. He's been very busy doing his own podcast called This Is Why the Aliens Won't Come and He Will Never Run Out of Material. <laughs> because there are too many things that make our species fucked up. And uh, he finds it every single week. So if you get a chance, you can listen to him. You can listen to him through, I think, what is it, SoundCloud and YouTube. And he's also on Twitter and Facebook. And just type in, this is why the aliens... And you'll see him <laughs> just immediately. You will find him. I don't know the Twitter because I can't do it as fast as his co-host does. She goes, T-I-W-C-T. I don't know. I don't speak that fast. Oh, there it is. It's at T-I-W-T-A-D-C on Twitter. That's it. And I read it. That's how come I know. Oh, stop it. I, You know something? Give me some fucking credit, would you? And speaking of credit, speaking of thoughts, speaking of randomness, let's start this week, as I always do, with the Happening Now monologue. Everything that happens now is happening now. What happened to then? That's the When? Just now. We're at now now. Go back to then. When? Now. Now? Now. I can't. Why? We missed it. When? Just now. When will then be now? Soon. 
And this is the uh, Happening Now monologue where I bring you guys up to speed about what I've been doing uh, over the past week and some things in the news. The first thing I think is far more important than who the next president might be is Playboy is not using pictures anymore. The what? The what the fuck? It's Playboy. And now you're going to have to actually read it for the fucking articles. That's like Hustler saying they're going to go into classic poetry. It just, it's not going to work. You know, the thing was, Playboy was the men's magazine that, you know, and it was a gentleman's magazine. And that's what it was. And it wasn't, you know, raunchy like Hustler or Cherry or Penthouse. That's the other one I'm thinking about. But you, if you were interviewed through Playboy, it was, or Jugs, <laughs> Biggins. It's Biggins from Married with Children. If, if you were interviewed with Playboy, it like Burt Reynolds and, you know, uh, Jimmy Carter. And they were interviewed by Playboy. It actually meant something. And and you bought the magazine because it was a good interview. And they were tits. I don't want to, you know. But with Playboy not doing pictures of nude women anymore, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's just going to turn a magazine. I mean, theoretically, if you want to look at, you can look at boobs anytime. It's the internet. It's on all the time. Yeah, it's going to be Maxim. That's what it's going to be. Brendan, that's, that's a great thing. Yeah, it's going to be Maxim magazine. Men, men especially, we're visually stimulated, like titillation. Women can work with titillation. Guys don't work with titillation. We just show it to us. If you titillate us, it makes us angry. It really does. You're poking the bear. Don't poke the bear. Besides, why would you want to poke the bear? I'm a professional comedian. <laughs> Spent enough time in the Playboy, but anyway, I got my new logo today. Yoo! For the Salem Comedy and Spirits Festival. The choices that my uh, my designer has given me are just amazing. And I'm having a real hard time choosing. That's the thing. But I think I've decided. And the, the Facebook site should be up, I hope, by the end of next week. And then I'm going to let a little bit more out about it. About how it's going to work. The venues. That kind of thing. So I'm super excited. And... I actually, I, I thought I could do most of it all by myself, but I can't. I'm going to have to get some volunteers. Some people are going to help me out. People who want to, you know, come to every single show and help work the door, take tickets, you know, things like that. I'm not saying I'm looking for volunteers now, but if you want a whole weekend of comedy or I mean one or two nights, eh, I'll put it out there. Put it out like the secret. I'll give it to the universe. And I'm not going to be specific. I'll just put it out there to the universe and, and I'll be fine. <sighs> and we all feel Zen. And speaking of Zen, the opposite of Zen, Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge, he's coming. And the tickets are literally selling out as you speak. I think there's only about 15 or 20 seats total out of the 65, 68 shows. So if you are going to go, you got to pick up the tickets now. And uh, I, I won't, I'll tell you, you won't be disappointed. It's a, it's a really fun, amazing show and you'll get the Christmas spirit and you'll feel good and you'll laugh. And it's a, it's a lot of, it's a lot of things. And if you do know the show, you can email me at radio irregardless at gmail.com or mark at markscalia.com or even through Facebook. Let me know what date you're going to be on. And I, I will do my darndest to be on that show and make your night even better. And of course, the last thing is charlatan 
We've changed the show up a little bit. He was there last Monday, and he was phenomenal, phenomenal little gathering of people. They were so fun. Charlatan's last show will be Monday the 26th, a week from this Monday, and that is it. And then he's gone for the season. He will not be seen. He'll sell you the whole seat, but you're only going to need the edge. Ah, that's funny. So you can go to gallowshillsalem.com and click the Psychic Show link. That being said, I got a oh, I got a few listeners on, so now we we actually tripled our numbers. <laughs> but as you know, it is the Halloween season, and as the Halloween season progresses, there's one man who will not leave anyone alone. Jigsaw's word problems. And before we get into that, I'm going to explain the rules. Now, the word problems involve math and English simultaneously. These things always scared me, so Jigsaw really wants to torture me. So, okay, hold on a second. You want to come in? Come on in. Yeah, now sit there. All right, so Jigsaw is doing his thing where if the audience doesn't guess the right answers, he's going to lop my head off, right? Is it? No. You're not going to? You're going to make me lop my own head off. Yeah, that's what he does. Anyway, so please, ladies and gentlemen, please get these answers right. And let's play a little bit of Jigsaw's word problems. Hello. I want to play a game. This is a word game. And you're going to play whether you want to or not. Live or die. The choice is yours. He's so serious. All right, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Example one. Ellen had 2,080 Legos, but she lost 17 of them. Legos? How many Legos does she have now? Lego my ego. Okay, Ellen had how long? 2,080? She had 2,080 Legos, but she lost... How many? 17. 20. Oh, Brandon got it right. Now, okay, everybody's got it. Thank you. She got. She had Legos, though. That's a weird thing. Your Legos? You're playing with Legos now? That you can't think of anything scarier than Legos? All right, fine. Arthur baked 115 muffins. Now we're muffins? James baked 12 times as many. How many muffins? James baked. Okay, Arthur baked 115 muffins, and James baked 12 times as many, right? Okay. Uh, it's fifth. What is it? 12, 12 times. I hope somebody's got a pen. Please get this right before the next one. Stop it. Put that. Put it down. It's a drill. He's got a drill bit. Come on. He's got 115 times 12. Example three. Oh, fuck. <laughs> There are 14,240 okay. books in a library. A library? <laughs> it's not scary. They're arranged on shelves that hold eight books each. Okay. How many shelves are in the library? Well, they, what kind of shelves only hold eight books? What kind of shelves? First of all, it, the other one was muffins. 115 muffins, and James got 12 times as many muffins. And that's it. I know, they didn't get that one yet. They, somebody got to write that one down, because that 115 muffins times 12, and this would be 14,240 books, and they're arranged in shelves that hold eight books each. 
and then I have we have to figure out how many shelves are in the library because this is not cool. Somebody get the book question. Fuck. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you sick fucking monkey. Get out of here with his chatting teeth. He's got the he's got the chatting little box. It was thirteen eighty muffins, yes. They were on a delay. Get out of here. I'll see you next week. He's got issues, man. He just got some issues. We don't have any issues. We're having a lot of fun. And when we come back from our break. We're going to hear from our very funny comic. He's been at it a while. He's doing really funny things. And I had a pre-interview with him, and it was so funny. And hopefully I won't do any of the bits that I did with him on the phone. But when we come back, you're going to listen to Scott McNeil. He's very funny, and he's coming up. Radio, irregardless. I'm your host, Mark Scalia. We'll be right back. Coming to Salem this October. His visions outrageous, his predictions outlandish, his knowledge of the future is both ridiculous and benign. He is the world-renowned psychic. He is the hysterical medium-at-large, Charlatan! Performances October 5th, 12th, and 26th. Just go to gallowshillsalem.com and click the Psychic Show link. This is Sandy Summers, and you're listening to Radio Irregardless with Mark Scalia. Hey, Mark, if a comedian does a promo and nobody's there to hear it, did it really happen? And you're back at Radio Irregardless with me, your host, Mark Scalia, and joining me via an actual phone, a phone call. Who knew? Mr. Scott. McNeil! Scott, are you there? I am here. There he is. <laughs> you gotta, it's this weird f- phone. Who uses a phone? Like it's an actual phone call. Yeah, it's a clamp to my wall, and I uh, I can <laughs> ring through Sarah to get Timmy and summon Lassie when I'm in trouble. <laughs> you, have to, do you have to ask for the operator when you pick up the receiver. <laughs> but sometimes she can't hear me. I have to turn down my Victrola, and it conflicts with my 8-track <laughs> Do you have to? Do you have to use the instead of area codes? You have to say, "Can I? Can I talk to K- Klondike five two two seven zero? That's terrible. So, Mr. Watson, come here. I need you. <laughs> That's funny, Mister Watson. I need you. But we're talking on an actual phone line because listeners will be amazed by this. You don't have internet, and you're in your house. I don't even have a. Not only do I not have a smartphone, I don't even have a cell phone. That's wow. I, that is bizarre to me. I can't even imagine that. I just, like, everybody demands internet wherever they go, so it's so bizarre. How do you, I, I hate to say, well, I'd say, how do you live? But I, you know, you know, do you need it? I'm a little concerned lately, because I've heard some rumors that something went wrong with the Challenger space shuttle. <laughs> did, did Ronald Reagan call you and tell you that? <laughs> Well, there's been a problem with the space shuttle, and, uh, Mommy, I'll get some jelly beans and make sure that Scott McNeil uh, gets his phone call. (laughs) 
I've even had some criticism from Samuel Morse <laughs> about being not up to date on things. Samuel Morse? As in, Who invented the Morse code? I get it. Yes, I get it. I get it. Uh, <laughs> how's that? How's that for spontaneous? Hey, hey, joining us live, Samuel Morris. <laughs> now, do you have to add up some of those things in case he was swearing in the in the Morse code there? No, no. Actually, I think that Morse code is actually an SOS. It's just uh, I just typed in Morse as quick as I could, and then we got to it. So. <laughs> And we just, that's how we do things around here. We try to get to things as quick as we can. So it sounds like the show is more professional than it is. They had me fooled. Yeah, I, I'm glad I did. But you know what? We haven't even really, I haven't properly introduced you. Ladies and gentlemen, Scott McNeil, very funny comic in the Boston area. And we've actually been, uh, I've been hitting a lot of the open mics and a lot of the showcase stuff. And Scott has been killing it at the open mics and the showcase circus. 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 Thank you. He's been, both. Yes. he's been killing it at the circus as well. Um, but Scott, how long you been at stand up? I just started a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> going to get Actually, some I'm coming up on uh, seven years this January. Se wow, seven years! My God, and you—I mean, not to like the audience won't figure this out, but you're kind of a late bloomer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I started when I was forty-seven. Uh, forty-seven. Wow, good I'm for 54 you. Fifty-four now. Yeah. Good for you. And you've been doing it for seven years. And, and I'm telling you, there was a, we had a big comedy competition at uh, Oscars Pinatas in Tewksbury almost a month ago or so. And you, I was like, I think Scott's going to do this. I think Scott's going to do it. You had the crowd. You had the judges. I think you came in second by like one point. Yeah. Out of a possible 30, you got 29 fucking points. <laughs> I didn't even know the scale went to 30. I just know I missed it by one point for at least tying first. Yeah, well, the best the best score you could have got was a 10. And 10 would uh, – and it, it breaks down. It breaks down. You get, uh, you get like three points for audience response, three points for originality, three points for uh, stage presence. Well, at least that's what I did. I give, I give four for material. And, so. and I was kicking myself too because – I hadn't practiced all week, and I was like, you know, I could tighten up my set. I could swap out a few jokes, and I'm like, oh, what's the big deal? Yes. <laughs> second. So, in other words, you don't, you don't even, you don't even practice, and fuck it, you come in second, right? <laughs> and first prize is a hundred bucks, and second place, I don't even get money for the parking meter. Yeah, well, this, which is weird because it's free parking at Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you get, trying to give it a little illusion there. Yeah, the illusion of it. But you added seven years, uh, doing all the open mic stuff. Why? Wh what got you started so late? Well, actually, I've, I'm, I've always had my sense of humor. I can trace it back to when I was a little kid. I loved Mad Magazine and that sort of thing. And um, I actually kind of fell into it on several different levels because uh, I was going through some tough times uh, in 1994. And a coworker, I used to kid around with him a lot. And one day he said, I love these jokes, but he said, I don't know where you're getting them from. And I told <laughs> most of it was just stuff I made up. And he's pointed to me. He's like, you made that up? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, most of it. And he said, well, I, I, he said, I'm good friends with Jimmy Tingle. He said, I know Lenny Clark. I knew Stephen Wright and so forth. And he said, you're right in there with, he said, do you remember him? And I said, no, uh, you know, some of them fade out. He's like, you, if you don't remember him, you better start writing them down. So for years, I started writing and writing with no particular agenda. And then um, 
you know, one of my favorites is Stephen Rice, and um, I believe it was, uh, yeah, it was December fifteenth, two thousand and eight. Stephen was getting an award out at Patriot Place, and they had like all the New England legends performing there. And another odd thing is, I really don't follow comedy. I never really did. I'm following, of course, a little bit more now. But I went to see Stephen get his award, and uh, Tony V was the MC. Excuse me, when the show ended. Most of the audience left, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can just say hello to these people. So I chatted up with some, and before I was leaving, I went over to Tony V. I just wanted to pay a compliment. I shook his hand and told him I loved the show, and I told him I write jokes. I don't remember what I told him, but I told him, like, two or three jokes, and I just said, what's it like to do stand-up? And uh, he said, you know, I can never explain it. He said, call my friend at Giggles and tell him I said you're going on. And I'm like, me? And he said, yeah, you're going on. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> that's how I get started. <laughs> nice. Tony V, um, a long time ago when I did the Boston Comedy Riot, Tony V was, he was the host, uh, he was co-hosting, him and Mike Donovan were, oh, yeah. were co-hosting uh, on my night, it was a Thursday night, and it was, it, like, I had not known those guys, and they were just amazing, amazing, and this is me at like, you know, three, four, five, six months in, maybe even a year in, and just, these guys are just powerhouses i mean they're legends now and how long ago was this this was 25 years ago wow you've, you've been doing a lot more than i knew yeah i'm, I'm getting <laughs> up to speed with everybody wow yeah that's, that's why wow. i still you know but i started hitting the open mics in the showcases like maybe two or three years ago because you know i mean i usually close i'm only closing and and most of the most of the shows i do or i'm middling for a really strong you know for a national guy or one of the boston one of the big boston guys and it was just you know i i would be there and i was like i'm writing a, a joke once in a while but then i started hitting the the showcase in the open mics and went these guys are fucking hungry and I went, I forgot how hungry I could be. And then I wrote a bunch of stuff. And, and that's why I go to, that's why I do the showcases. Not because, because I want to stay relevant. And I talked with Mike Donovan about this. He says, you can't really do new stuff when somebody's paying you because you can't experiment. He goes, they want guarantees all the time. So if you're trying new bits, you really can't try new bits. You can sneak in a joke once in a while, but for the most part, you just can't. You just can't sneak in a joke when you're when you're being paid, you know, five, six. You know, I've learned that part of it, you can study it, you can get input from people, you can work on your material, and then it's almost like a separate issue. It's almost like if you want to run a marathon, you have to run. You yeah. Can't, you can't just read about it and then show up for the Boston Marathon and say, okay, I'm doing 26.2 miles today. It's... Yeah, and you're doing very well. I mean, I I didn't know you. See, I didn't even know you were doing it seven years. I'm like, I go, he's really funny. And, oh, thank you. You know, and what are some of the clubs that you play? Well, I started out at, at Giggles. I've uh, yeah, I'm I'm in the the North Shore of Merrimack Valley, so I'm kind of located around here. You know, a Fody's Tavern I used to be out in uh, North Andover at Lots of Laughs Comedy Lounge. Mm -hmm. I've worked for um, Dennis Worth. He's kind of uh, west of me. And uh, I might have some things coming up um, in the Southern Mass in uh, Connecticut area. In fact, I'll be down in uh, Connecticut next month. Oh, cool! Uh, hey, did you do uh, did you do Nick uh, Giansulo's uh, room in Lawrence? I, I want to. I haven't been. I think didn't he recently start that? Yeah, uh, I guess it was, it was last night. I I I've been having back issues, so I can't. 
I can't really stay in the car that long, which is stupid. Oh. As a comic, I can't be in a car, which is... That's a lot of walking, too. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be more walking than I'm willing to do. Like, well, if I can't be... Right, everything's within walking distance if you have the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry about your back problems. It's not fun. Oh, no, no. It's I've been fighting it forever, and I just saw the neurosurgeon, and he's like, oh, yeah, you got, uh, you got bulging on uh, three, three of your L-discs. And I go, I only have three L-discs. And he goes, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, oh, man. Yeah. You know the funny thing? When I walked in, and the first thing he said to me, you know, usually when you see a doctor, that you know, they know why you're there. His opening line was, so, uh, so what can I do for you? I'm like, dude, you get the MRI fucking charts. <laughs> what do you mean, what can you do for me? Yeah, I stopped and asked directions. What do you think? Yeah, I just came in. I was like, oh, I heard they're they a cookie, you fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then he's like, yeah. And I go, what can I do for bulging discs? He goes, nah, not much. And I went, I went what? <laughs> just like just like that, like, nah, not much. I got to live with him. <laughs> I was like, I go, well, what makes the disc like that? He goes, well, the, the disc kind of dries out. And I go, oh, okay, so I can keep hydrated and stuff. He goes, no, no, doesn't work like that. Just like, and I'm like, where did you fucking go to school? Like Bunker Hill? That's the kind of delivery he was giving me all the time. Nah, no, nah, can't really do nothing. Can't really do nothing. <laughs> and you just fun that about paying the bill too. You can't really help him out. Yeah, there. I can't fucking. Help. Yeah, how much is it? I can't really fucking help you. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> we're done here. Fucking asshole. Uh, but, you know, you don't have any problems like that, right? You have any health problems? Well, actually, um, almost three years ago, I was almost killed on 495 by a semi. Really? Yeah, I was um, driving uh, in the Lowell area, light traffic, and I was in the right-hand lane. Uh, and a, a semi, I didn't realize the semi that was on my left didn't see me. Oh. And he went to change lanes and drove right into my car. My car went sideways across his front bumper. He was pushing me in the dark for maybe a couple hundred feet or so. And then my car popped out to his left, went into a counterclockwise spin. So I did a total 360 at 65 miles an hour. Wow. And while I was spinning, my car migrated back over him, and then he really slammed into me. So I have some uh, bulging uh, discs and whiplash and that's i've been going to physical therapy chiropractor and all that but i'm 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 just playing like i wasn't playing dead that night yeah. i thought my car was going right into that truck see that i understand that you know hurting yourself like that or being hurt in that situation that i understand i did nothing like if i got no good story like that's a decent story you go how'd your back hurt well i was almost killed on 495 semi truck trailer hit me and you spun around i was going 65 that's a great story mine's not that great they go, what happened? I go, I was under my desk plugging in the cord. So maybe you just need to hire a writer then for this, this condition. <laughs> so you can upgrade your story. That's right. Well, you know, it's funny. I do it on stage. I go, yeah, I hurt my back because I got up out of a chair. <laughs> How about something patriotic like Vietnam? No, that's what I say. I go, I wasn't. You're an aging goober. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mean there's been more wars since then? Yeah, there's been. Is Yeah, you know something? <laughs> You gotta get, we gotta get Ronald Reagan to call you up again. I'll tell you what, why don't we do this, Scott? Why don't we take our second break? I'll try to see if we can bring you up to speed. This is actually gonna be a nice thing because I'm gonna play a game with you that will test current events for you. <laughs> 
good. I'm particularly good with movies. I, I watch them all the time on my laser disc. Good, good. You know, and uh, if, if if do you have to put a nickel in it first? <laughs> I'm hoping someday to get an autograph from John Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> You know something? Let's. I don't want to break his bubble. Let's just take a break. And when we come back, we're going to play a nice game with Scott McNeil, everybody. You're listening to Radio Regardless, and we'll be right back. This is Ebenezer Scrooge. And if you're visiting Salem this holiday season, then come in and see me and Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. This humorous interactive performance reanimates the Dickens classic. Experience a Christmas carol with a twist on the Salem Trolley as the holiday tale is brought to life. Go to SalemTrolley.com and click the special tours link. This is Ebenezer Scrooge wishing you all a humbug. Hey, I'm Nick Giasulo, and you're listening to Radio Irregardless with Mark Scalia. And I have no idea why. And you're back at Radio Regardless with me, your host, Mark Scalia, and still on the phone because he put in another 25 cents, Mr. Scott McNeil, everybody. Actually, uh, Scott stepped out for I could take a message if you'd like. Would, do you have an answering machine? <laughs> yeah, but i got to change the tape in it. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> but don't try to steal it from me. It's all mine. Uh, you know something? I don't have the technology to play a tape anymore. Actually, I do. I have a, I have a, I have a Sony um, AM FM uh, cassette player still, and it works on batteries. But I have an, uh, I have an adapter that I can plug it into the wall just in case I find a, a tape somewhere. <laughs> like, 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 I tell you, we're talking about how long we've been doing stand up, and uh, well, like a month and a half ago, it's down at you know Johnny D's, some of them. Yep. I, I hadn't performed there before, and there were a lot of young comics that I'd never met. And when the show ended, two or three of them came over me. They're like, wow, that was their point on the stage. They're like, well, that's fantastic. I really enjoyed it. And I said, thanks. And I kept a straight face. They said, how long have you been doing? I said, that was my first time. <laughs> They're like, really? And I'm like, no. Seven, you know, almost seven years. You know, do you remember Kevin Knox? I met him right when I started. I met him like five times. Nice guy, huh? He was a sweetheart of a guy. One of the things we used to do when Kevin was on shows, if he was at the Comedy Vault or if he was at the Comedy Connection or whatever, um, if he wasn't hosting and I was hosting or somebody else was hosting, I would say, ladies and gentlemen, coming to the stage, this guy, brand new, first time on stage, and then bring up Kevin fucking Knox. And he'd, <laughs> he'd bury the fucking room, like ridiculously bury the room. And the people, it, then his outro would be, first time, everybody, amazing, first time on stage. And, well, you bet, and I go, everybody would be like, you better watch that guy. He's going to be doing great things. And it was like. <laughs> It was just, it's the fun. We had so much fun as comics. And when I hosted the vault and it was a Sunday night and when I, when I took it over, there were like 35 comics and the show was going to like, I don't even know, like 12, 31 o'clock when it started at nine and it was ridiculous. And when I took it over, I got 25 comics on that stage and the show was done by 11 o'clock. Wow. It, it was like it was tight. I didn't. I didn't take any shit. I was like, "Look, guys, here, let's do this. Let's. If you never been on stage before, let me know. If you're brand new, let me know. If you get a long drive, let me know." Um, and I didn't. There were we bumped a few guys here and there, 
but some people didn't want to wait until, you know, like 10.30 to go on, so they left, but not always because the show ran so tight and the audience was with it the whole time. It was awesome. So what do you do, like two or three on at the same time to keep things moving along? No, no. Everybody had five minutes. I said, if you... You, you know what it is? But it was a tight, you know, I kept everybody a tight five. I go, I'm going to walk to the stage at four. You'll see, I'll see, you'll see, you remember the vault? You Like there was that doorway? I said, yeah. I'll, I'll be in the doorway at four. I'll walk to the stage at four and a half. At five, I'm walking on that stage. So you you better get off that stage, and you don't have to be done, but you have to be off the stage, right? And I and it was so, fu- but it, but it wasn't like it was this totalitarian thing. I just looked at everybody. I go, look, there's a lot of people on stage. Don't do more than you need to. Just have fun. I said I want to, and I opened the show with seven minutes every time. I didn't go long. I didn't do jokes in between. I would like their fun. I would have fun with their intros and, and outros, and that's all I did. And it was a lot of fun. Sometimes when I'm at a place and they don't know me, I try to pull their leg and, you know, the time person will be like, I give you a light and all that sort of thing. And I'm like, great. I said, just just make sure you give me a signal when I'm gone 20 minutes over. Yes. <laughs> and I've had some people glare at me like I really mean it. And they start to give me a lecture. I'm like, I'm just kidding. It's I, a joke, you shit. <laughs> so, you know something, Scott? We I'm teasing you. Speaking of teasing. Uh, by the way, if you want to follow Scott, you can fi- believe it or not, he's got a Facebook fucking page, dudes. Uh, you can find him at Scott McNeil, M-A-C-N-E-I-L. That's Scott, S-C-O-T-T dot M-A-C-N-E-I-L dot 33. But if you type in Scott McNeil, you'll see him. And it's not McNeil, just there's an A in there. So it's McNeil. Yeah, Scottish. And actually... Um, Mac Neal means son of Neal. So, so, so many generations back, there was someone named Neal, and we're all named after him. Really? Yeah. Oh. I thought I, it was like McDonald's and McDonald's. Like, you got the golden arches, and they got the golden arcs. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's a little different. But speaking of, that's kind of a reference. That's a movie reference, because we're going to play a game against you. You are going to play a game against my listening audience, and it's called If You Can't Say Something Nice. If you can't say something nice. You warthog-faced buffoon. Don't say nothing at all. Now, this is where I play you an a movie insult, somebody insulting somebody else or saying something that's not very complimentary to somebody else in a movie. And all you got to do is guess the movie. It's fairly easy, but not for you and your laser discs and all that. So it may be a little <laughs> tricky, but the advantage is you and I are speaking over the phone. So our conversation is completely, completely fast. Like it's almost instantaneous. Oh, my brother said his, what's the status on, what's the status updates? Like I'm here again at the library. <laughs> So we're speaking instantaneous on a phone conversation, but my listeners may be listening on anywhere between a four to an eight second delay based on their internet service and their computers and things like that, their phones and tablets and what have you. So you have to, your advantage is we're instantaneous. So you can answer quicker and all you can do is say it. If you know it, you just kind of blurt it out. Their disadvantage is they are listening on a delay and then they have to type it. Also, well, I'm, I'm usually I'm used to being four to eight seconds ahead of people. That's so that's it'll work out. Now there are more of them than of you, so that's well, outnumbered. Yeah, so that's kind of your disadvantage too. So the clips are fairly short. The last one's very long, and it's the funniest one. It's probably the last one I'm going to do because I don't have any more. So this may be the last game. So let's give it hell. What do you say, Scott? 
Let's tear it apart, baby. I'm ready to rock and roll. All right, here's your first one. And if you need, I can play it twice, and I can give you some hints after the second play. But be aware, the audience is ruthless. Here we go. Okay, how many days do I have to respond? Oh, what is that? How many days do I have to, to respond? Uh, instantaneously, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you're down to a, uh, I can't do the math, something like a six hundredth of a day. <laughs> Here we go. Mong Tong. Math tutor. Pinhead. Prison barber. Mother lover. Nearsighted gynecologist. Lying, crying, spying, prying, ultra pig. You lewd, crude, rude, bag of pre-chewed food, dude. <laughs> All you gotta do is name the movie. Wizard of Oz. No. <laughs> More than... <laughs> you, you, you got it wrong already. Oh, man. <laughs> That ain't right. Uh, one of my, actually, two of my listeners got it right. It's Hook. It's the scene where Robin Williams is uh, sitting at the table, and they're insulting each other back and forth. Back and uh, forth. There I, we go. I never Mom thought I was afraid of a seat. It's Fuck, what? We get pulled off the stage. You know? oh. <laughs> yeah, he just, he's insulting Tutor? him. Pinhead. Prison barber. Mother lover. Nearsighted gynecologist. Lying, crying, spying, prying, ultra pig. You lewd, crude, rude, bag of pre-chewed food, dude. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> this one's a more modern movie. This movie's not even a year old. It's uh, it's very funny and it's uh, it's it's very insulting. Here we go. You bloody cheeky bloody monkey sword, good for nothing pot of peace, innit? You maggot, you mother loving bastard. <laughs> <laughs> so hard to understand. Terms of endearment. No terms of endearment. <laughs> You know, something something in the 2000s, please. You got nothing. <laughs> Let me play this again. It's funny. You bloody cheeky bloody monkey sword. Good for nothing pot of peace, innit? You maggot. You mother-loving bastard. <laughs> you maggot. You mother-loving bastard. <laughs> breakfast at Tiffany's. It's breakfast. No, it's, it's close. 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 It's actually, it's a very, it's a throwback to when, uh, it's it's kind of a throwback movie, and it's a modern throwback, but it's not like a remake or anything. Johnny Depp was in the movie. Oh, really? No, it's not Mall Cop or Mall Cop 2, no. <laughs> and the guy who Johnny Depp is actually speaking to is his Italian mechanic. Oh. You bloody cheeky bloody monkey sword, good for nothing pot of peace, innit? You maggot, you mother-loving <laughs> bastard. <laughs> you maggot, you mother-loving Busted. It's not snakes on a plane. It's not. It's not. Oh, my brother only puts in snakes on a plane for some ungodly reason. You know something? Since the audience got that one, and no one's gonna get this one, I'll give it to you. But first, I'm gonna play this. That ain't right. There we go. It's Mordecai. Do you remember that movie? It came out and went away very quickly. <laughs> I'm thinking of the Jungle Book. No, it's Mordecai. All right. So so far, <clears throat> the audience has one, and you have nil. Here's the last one. This movie is... I'll, tell, I'll give you some hints, Scott. Give you some hints. All right. Will Farrell is actually saying the line, and he's rehearsing how he's going to say something later. And the movie just came out. Here we go. Hey, I'm about to tear you a new ass and sew up your old ass. <laughs> I'm going to punch you in the fuck. I'm going to make you my bitch's bitch. You're going to be my grand bitch. You're about to get 20 likes on InstaFuck. <laughs> if I see you around here again, I'm going to put a hashtag on your ass and see how many hits it gets. <laughs> hey, son, you're a disappointment to your parents, <laughs> who I fucked. <laughs> oh, I know that one. That's Elf. 
That's not Elf. No, he wouldn't be like that in Elf. Oh, my God. No, my brother's writing down every Will Ferrell movie. It's not Teledega Nights. It's not Step Brothers. It's a recent movie just come out. I'm going to help you, Scott. Kevin Hart was in it, too. I was going to think it was that news anchor thing he did, but that's not not. No, it's not Anchorman. You got to get this one, Scott. You got to redeem yourself. Butch Cassius and his kid. The Great Train Robbery. No. <laughs> Will Farrell was in, <clears throat> he was embezzling money. And oh, yeah, everybody got it. It's Get Hard. That's the name of the uh, movie. All I could remember was I'm pretty sure that Mary Pickford was in it. <laughs> that ain't right. No, that ain't right. <laughs> Mary Pickford. I'm just, just old enough to get that reference. Just old enough. <laughs> All right. Beverly Hillbillies used to kid about it being an old reference. Oh, my God. So here's what I'm going to do, Scott. I am unfortunately going to have to tabulate those scores, and that should take about two minutes, which conveniently is as long as our next break. And uh, during the break, I've got a little, uh, <clears throat> little clip of you in there as well yes so i'm going to tabulate those scores so ladies and gentlemen uh listen to our third break i'll tabulate the scores and when we come back uh we're going to ask scott mcneil the three questions i ask of all my guests you're listening to radio regardless we'll be right back Love food and wine? Get to know Salem Mass in a fun and delicious way. Join me on a Salem food tour. Our five-star rated walking tour gives guests the perfect opportunity to enjoy an afternoon with friends or co-workers. Great for locals and visitors, our tours book in advance and can be crafted for your special event. For more information on our tours and to make reservations, please visit us at SalemFoodTours.com. To leave a question or comment, call the Radio Irregardless hotline at 978-219-9294. I had a sad moment in my childhood. I went up to my parents and I said, I think my new doll is broken. And I said, well, when I pull the string, he said, no, no, Scott, you misunderstand. This doll is more advanced, but this one, when you pull the string, it listens. <laughs> took me aside one day and she said, Scott, did you ever stop to think that that boy that you tease at school has feelings too? And I said, well, I should hope so. If not, then all my bullying has been for nothing. <laughs> when I played high school sports, other kids' parents would cheer them on or like, you can win or go team. Not my family. They stood on the sidelines holding up a big sign that said, fail now and we can beat the traffic. <laughs> Someone asked if I could ride a bike with no hands, and I said, gee, I, I don't know. I've always had them. <laughs> You're back at Radio Regardless with me, your host, Mark Scalia. And that was a sampling, a little sampling platter of Mr. Scott McNeil in his very disturbed childhood, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I love your stuff, man. You're so well, funny. You're so funny. Yeah, and I, and I try to really, I try to be clever without offending anybody. And I, if people notice, too, I never, ever swear on stage. You no, know, you don't, which yeah. I don't understand that. <laughs> I know. I'm building it all up for my resentments when I'm elderly. 
<laughs> so speaking of no, speaking of being tactful and uh, and funny, I'm going to ask you some questions. Um, <clears throat> oh, by the way, I did tabulate the scores. Uh, wow. Let me see if I can. Let me see where they are. Let's see. Uh, you got uh, one, yeah, and uh, uh, this one was something else. And let me carry the five. Uh, you, oh, uh, you, you got a zero. Wrong, ah. sir. Wrong. You get nothing. You lose. <laughs> Good day, sir. You got nothing. You got a goose egg. The audience beat you two to two to nothing, and you oh, nobody got the. But I hope I hope you when you carry the five, you using some sort of back support. No, <laughs> you fucker. <laughs> so you know something. You're gonna shit on me. That's fine. Let's ask. Let's ask Scott the three questions I ask of all my uh, all my guests. Please, if you would tell me and my lovely listeners about your first time, your best time, and your worst time, and please do it in that order, because the worst time is usually the funniest story. <laughs> okay. Um, first time giggles. It was January, I believe, twenty first, two thousand nine. It was a Wednesday night uh, open mic, and I was. Pretty much shaking in my shoes, hmm. confident about my material, but had no idea how to do stand-up. So I actually got an acquaintance to show up, and I had these you know, about five or six giant cue cards, <laughs> and they let him sit up front. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they had abbreviations of all my jokes and what order they were in, because that's what I... I knew the jokes. I didn't know what order. Really? And, what, and, and they were like, wow, what the hell is <laughs> They thought it was it was intentional. I was just doing it to be funny, but I genuinely didn't know my set. <laughs> and I probably did that the first five or seven times I did stand up. And uh, with cue cards each time. Yeah, and then I kept changing them. every time I'd show up. I'd have a whole new set. Oh my god, that is. And after funny. a while, Mike Clark was giggled. He's like, "What? What the hell are you doing?" You <laughs> we want to hear the same thing, more polished. And I'm like, "Oh." <laughs> Oh my God, that and, is funny. And which, what was the order? Was it the uh, my best time or my worst time? I, I don't know. I'm still fascinated by the cue cards for the for the first couple times. Yes, well, in fact, you, you mentioned uh, Kevin Knox. They were yeah. having a some sort of Texas Hold'em or whatever you call it in uh, at the Bill Rickett Elks Club, a mm -hmm. benefit for Kevin. Yep. And I was new to comedy, and I went. I didn't play. But Lenny Clark was one of the people there, and I saw him, his brother Mike pointing to me and whispering, and, and Lenny made a beeline over to me, and he said, are you Scott McNeil? And I said, yeah. And he said, Mike was telling me about the cards. He said, I think that's a riot. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Oh, my God. It's so funny. So that was your, <clears throat> excuse me, that was your first time on stage. What was your best time on stage? Now, in seven years, you must have a bunch, but give us one of the, one of the best ones. Well, um, even just this past week, I performed 50 people and uh, did 10 minutes, and they went nuts. I had people after the show saying that I remind them of Stephen Wright, which is a big flyer thing, and then showing my age a little bit. Someone else said that I remind them of Henny Youngman, <laughs> and I had like 15, 20 people who wanted to shake my hand, and uh, it's just, that's, to me, one of the most rewarding things is to be acknowledged afterwards, even people to take a moment and... Uh, say hello and say tell me what they enjoyed about it nice see it's a sweet story see that's nice first one's funny second one's sweet uh now tell us about your your worst 
time on stage. And I'll just throw in real quick, a couple of years ago, he got to open up for the singer Chuck Negron of Three Dog Nights. Oh, really? And I read his autobiography some years ago, and I was like, boy, it'd be great to meet him. I never thought I'd open for him. Oh, nice. See, that's yeah. why didn't you go with that story? You're like, oh, he's just speaking in general. No, that's a great story. Thank you. I've had a lot of good moments. Things Open that made it. me happy. But my worst time is actually, it's, you know, I'm, I'm sure people have bigger disasters than this. Actually, it was at the same place. I was in the contest at Oscar Pinatas, and I would say it was about, I'm going to guess, two years ago. Mm -hmm. And some of the people were really drunk. <laughs> really? And it's the worst crowd. I need people sharp and alert to get my stuff. <laughs> and I remember the joke. I, um, I, the guy heckled me. He, the joke was my issues with procrastination have become so severe, I've decided to commit suicide the, the first chance I get. <laughs> and this guy yelled out, he said, I'll buy you the gun. What a dick. <laughs> and I yelled back to him, I said, you'll be the first one I use it on. <laughs> He's a murder suicide. <laughs> and I was really, I mean, I was mad at him for interrupting and... Especially in such a derogatory, but I mean, really, that's about the worst. I mean, yeah. I've, I've had times too where it's just no one's paying attention. I can tap the microphone and they can almost hear the crickets. But I think that happens to everybody. It's just to spin to the wheel and see what audience you get that night. You know? You, yeah, I I noticed that. I mean, not to take away from the stories, but certainly uh, you. <laughs> Like I've been heckled before, I and I I don't enjoy it, but certainly I can roll from it. But your your act is not designed for hecklers. <laughs> that, I think that's I think I'm kind of blessed that way because it just doesn't attract them. Right, right. People are like what? I don't get it. Or oh yeah, that's funny. It's only like usually hecklers are so stupid or drunk or they think they're funny, and you know your jokes don't. It encourages that. My jokes do. My jokes encourage that. <laughs> but your you jokes don't encourage that. Oh, my God. I've been... Oh, Friday night, I was uh, in a Polish-Americans club, and I said, hey, everybody, how you doing? And they started talking to me, and I go, that's a mistake. Don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> What's been your worst? My worst, Joe? Oh. No, I, I don't mean from what you did, but how the audience treated you, hecklers or... Um, I, I see. I don't really have. Uh, I, I shouldn't say I don't have bad shows. I I've been doing it for so long. I now can identify if the audience is bad, or if I'm off, or you know what's going on. I mean, it, it's it's different for me. Like I don't. I never take it personally anymore. So I don't have bad shows. I just kind of get through them if they're not as great. Mm. Um, very rarely do I do that because I don't. Even with corporate stuff, sometimes corporate is a pain in the ass, but I, I really don't have, I think my bad shows kind of stopped, or at least I stopped considering them bad shows. When I when I disconnected from the audience, I didn't care anymore. If I want them to enjoy themselves, but if they're miserable, it's like, that's, you can live in that world. I don't want to do that. I'm here to make you laugh. If you don't laugh, then that's fine. I get it. But It's a free country. It can be as miserable as you uh, like. I think the worst show I ever had, I was... 
I was in a comedy like three months and you know, for the first few months, comics, you kill it. Like you're up every night and it's like, I'm doing great. You don't have bad sets. And then I had a set that wasn't as good as the others. And then a set that wasn't as good as that one. And then a set that wasn't as good as that one. And then I had a bad set and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do it. And I literally looked at a bunch of comics and I went, I don't want to do it anymore. I just, it's miserable. It's miserable. And they went, why? Just because you had a bad set? And I go, no, I don't think I'm good at it anymore. And it's like, and literally, um, I had people talk me out of it, out of quitting. And now when I hear a comic saying, I, I don't, I'm not funny. I don't think I'm funny. I look at them and go, you know, maybe you're not funny now, but you know, why do you do it? Cause you want to do it. So, you know, the other night before a show, I was trying to be friendly with this guy who was connected with the building itself. And he was kind of like, all right, tell me a joke. I told him a joke, and uh, <laughs> he gave me a dirty look. He said, that's not funny. Don't tell us. He started doing this thing about do this, don't do that. <laughs> and I said, let me ask you something. I said, what do you do? He said, I'm a trucker. I said, you ever do stand-up? And he said, no. And I said, you want me to tell you how to drive a truck? <laughs> He's like, I'm not sure if I'm going to stay for the show. And I'm like, if that's the outlook you have, I hope you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just don't. Uh. Kyle Crawford does this great joke. He goes, you know, he goes, I come up to people and, you know, I tell them a comic and they go, really? He goes, you know, you could tell me what you do. Like, you could say I'm a garbage man. I'm like, thank God. Oh, good for you. Thank you. You're doing a service. Thank you. I would not throw a bunch of trash in front of you and say, here, pick it up. I don't believe you. <laughs> it's a great joke. It's a great joke. That's a but, good point at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So Scott, you uh, now you're having the good set. You're working all around. What do you got coming up uh, over the next uh, week, couple months, or anything big for the rest of the uh, for the rest of the time? I got a, a really cool one this coming Friday, the 16th of October, and I'm going to be at Sally O'Brien's in in um, Somerville, and I'm performing with a couple groups. And the group that booked me is Tsunami of Sound. Tsunami or Sound? Tsunami of Sound. Oh, Tsunami of Sound. Yeah, and they do all this great like early 60s surfer music nice they're a trio and i'm doing 15 minutes and uh and that's pretty cool and we're that's at sally o'brien's and is that in somerville yeah okay and then i'm gonna be wednesday october 21st up at the arena in uh, nashua new hampshire nice and i'm flipping through my schedule here I'm doing I can, some things at I, nursing homes too, but I'm going to also be. Uh, <laughs> I can hear the papers moving. Yes, I can hear you looking through your schedule. I'm looking at my smartphone right now here. It's, uh, it's an right. Apple. It's like, Apple. Oh, oh, let's see. What's happening with my schedule? <laughs> you do. I'm going to be at the comedy studio in Cambridge <laughs> Wednesday, October 28th. Nice. That's uh, Yeah, that's in two weeks. That's two weeks. I got a gig too down in Connecticut. I, I can never pronounce the name of the town, but it's the Strand Theater, and uh, that's going to be, I believe, November. Give us, give a shot, give a shot at the town. What's the shot at the town? I, I couldn't even pronounce it. <laughs> What's it start with? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you beat the I Strand Theater. Back up. <laughs> I always look them up as soon as the date gets close because then I'm like, all right, then it's fresh in my memory. I can't confuse it with anything else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, so let me do this. S-T-R-A-N-D Theater. That's in Connecticut. 
There we go. Seymour. <laughs> That's hard to pronounce. Seymour? So hard to remember. Yes. Seymour. <laughs> oh, there's another one in there's another one in Hartford, but that's maybe that's the one you're talking about. That's no, not Hartford, uh, I know that. No. Well, you know, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna get in your model T and crank it up and put in your goggles and helmet and take the ride down to Hartford. <laughs> and bring my dictograph recorder so I can Hey, 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 no swearing. No oh, fine. no fine, swearing. Fine. No, my language. no, some. It's a dictaphone. <laughs> what is it? Are you talking to a dictaphone? Yes, and I hear out a vagina phone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey Scott. You know it's been great having you on. I really appreciate you coming on, and uh, I know that uh, we'll bump into each other uh, around the uh, around the circuit. But you are doing a fantastic job, and uh, go check them out, everybody. Check out on YouTube too. Oh yeah, yeah. You can check that. That entire clip is on YouTube. YouTube. You can just check him out on that. And again, you can see him on Facebook at Scott McNeil. Scott, thanks for being a part of the show tonight. I'll, uh, I will see you around the playground, my friend. Thank you so much, Mark. It's been a treat. All right. Have a great night. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Scott McNeil, everybody. Very funny. <laughs> Very funny, trapped in the twenties, but he's still very funny, and uh, his act is phenomenal. Even though, even though you know, I was giving him some shit about you know, no cell phone or internet or things like that. Um, he is just a really, really funny guy, hysterically funny to see. So, so go ahead and get a chance and check him out. So, before we wrap the show, I will tell you where I'm going to be, and I got some stuff coming up tomorrow night, Thursday night. Uh, I'm doing a guest call in for uh. Paul Kravitz's uh, radio show on Mixler, right here on Mixler, the Paul Report. He's doing a thing on siblings, so I am going to be sharing some stories about siblings, I would imagine. So he doesn't tell me because when he was on this show, I didn't tell him what we were going to do. So he surprises me every time. So that's tomorrow night, and that is at uh, his show is at nine o'clock, just like this one starts at nine o'clock. Um, Friday and Saturday, I've got some uh, irons in the fire. I'm not gonna. I can't really tell you where I'm gonna be because uh, I'm still working it out. Uh, but I may be nowhere. I may be somewhere. So hopefully I'll be somewhere, and you can come see me and just check my website for that. And of course, the big thing, uh, which this is kind of a big thing, the Nebo Awards, which is the New England Acting Best of Awards. Uh, they had this um, about a year and a half ago, and I co-hosted it then. And uh, uh, Bradley Van Dusen, he is actually uh, producing the whole thing. And this is going to be down at the uh, the Center for Performing Arts or the Center for Performing Arts in Natick. And it's a big thing. It honors uh, a lot of the local actors. It gives them all awards about, um, you know, best monologue, best acting reel, things like that. But it's a pretty big deal. And uh, I've done all the production work on it. So I've done all the editing and all the promos and stuff. Speaking of promos, if you want to be part of Radio Air Regardless and do a promo, call the hotline, 978-219-9294. Email me at radioirregardless at gmail. Next week, Dave Decker will be returning. The comedian will see you soon. Been Radio Irregardless with Mark Scalia, your non-standard blend of irrespective listening and regardless enjoying. Radio Irregardless was written, directed, and produced by Mark Scalia and broadcast live via Mixler.com. I'd like to thank my on-air guests as well as all the online listeners for their comments. 
The Radio Irregardless theme, If Only I Had a Pen, was written and composed by Derek Dupuy. All material and content property of MS Enterprises and copyrighted 2015. Listen to previously aired episodes of Radio Irregardless by downloading from iTunes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.